Shirley, thank you for, for your career. We honor you for your, your faithfulness throughout the years of serving Jesus and serving in your career and also serving here at South Langley. We love you, Shirley. Let's give her another hand. Uh, we are beginning a new sermon series today, our summer sermon series, and it's called Habit. Hope you got your booklets on your way in. If you did, you can turn to page four. There's a spot for you to take notes today. And you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, we, we wrapped up our previous series in June, which was called Focus. And one of the things we said in that series was that um, we believe God's calling us to a, to a few key priorities in the next season. And one of them is to encounter Him, to encounter God. And so one of the ways that we encounter God um, is when we gather here on Sundays and we, we worship and we pray and we have fellowship and we hear the word preached. That's one of the ways that we encounter God. But we don't just want to encounter God on Sundays uh, when we're gathered, but we want to encounter God every day, even when we're scattered out into the community. And traditionally how Christians have done that through the years, how Christians have positioned the, their hearts to encounter God day by day, week by week, is through a series of practices called spiritual disciplines. Um, and, and so that's going to be the focus of this, of this habit series, um, spiritual disciplines, which um, are, are, yeah, kind of a set of, of practices or habits that, that people use to um, make themselves, help, help themselves be able to encounter God, things like prayer and solitude and studying scripture and fasting and, and all these different things. So we're going to work through those this summer. And today as we start out the series, um, we're going to start with a spiritual discipline that sort of overarches the other spiritual disciplines. Uh, it's kind of, uh, a, it's almost like the operating system uh, for spiritual disciplines, and it's called rule of life. And we'll unpack that as we go on. But let me read you our, our text for today. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. This is Paul writing to the Christians in the ancient Greek city of Corinth. And he says, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So we live in an age when it's very, um, it's, it's very easy and available for, for us to get involved with the world of athletics and sports, right? We, we've got cable TV, we've got the internet, We've got sports radio, and so for us today, many of us are sports fans, and we follow our teams, you know, sometimes even on Sunday, if it's the big game day, you'll, you'll like, wear this, your team's t-shirt to church, and, you know, maybe, maybe we have, I think we have people from within the church who originally were from out of town, and so, like, they support the team from their, their old city, and people kind of grumble about them, right? And so, but, but people in our age, we have crazy access to sports, and so sports fans can really get into it. You can even follow individual athletes on social media if you're into that and, and get a window into their personal lives. And so for us, many of us are sports fans. The Corinthians 
were sports fans. Now, now back then, um, they, they didn't have, in ancient Greece, they didn't have the same access to sports that we have, right? They didn't have sports radio. They didn't have cable TV. I think they had internet, but it was dial-up. So they didn't have the same access. So if you wanted to be a sports fan, you had to be in the, the, where the sports were happening. Well, Corinth, the city of Corinth was actually where the sports were happening. Um, and so in ancient Greece, they had this, this four-year cycle of sports events. The, the culmination, of course, was the Olympic Games. But every two years, they had a, kind of a lesser sports event, and it was called the Isthmian Games. And it was hosted in Corinth. In fact, it, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, was likely in Corinth on one of his missionary journeys during the Isthmian Games at some point. And so they, they were the host city, and so Paul would have probably seen this firsthand. And so these people had, more than anyone else in their age, they had this front row seat to the world of, of athletics and sports. And so Paul now writes to them, and he says, I'm, I'm going to describe the Christian life using that imagery of athletics, which was so familiar to them and for many of us today is so familiar. And so what, what we're looking at today is basically Paul's tracing this idea of how the Christian life is like the life of an athlete. Now, why is the Christian life like the life of an athlete? Well, uh, I'll, I'll read verses 24 and 25 again. It says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So, Christian, the Christian life is like the life of an athlete for a couple of reasons. The, the big reason, Paul says here, is, is, and this is kind of our first big idea, is that like athletes, Christians are chasing a prize. Like athletes, Christians are chasing a prize. If you're an athlete, of course, you're, you're chasing whatever the, if, if there's a cash prize or a trophy or a medal or maybe it's just bragging rights or something, depending on your organization. But whatever, whatever the prize is, if you score the most goals or run the fastest or lift the most weights or figure skate the best, right? You, it, whatever that prize is, you're chasing that prize. In the Isthmian Games, I'll tell you what the prize was in the Isthmian Games. This is a really good prize. Are you ready? A wreath of dried celery. In fact, in, in verse 25, when, he's, when he says, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, literally in Greek, that's they, they, they do it to win a perishable wreath. He's talking about this wreath of dried celery that they would get. And then the other thing they would get is an ode. Like, uh, they would have, a Greek poet would write a poem in their honor. Like, we've got athletes today signing $50 million contracts. Back then, celery and a poem. So I guess times have changed. Um, you might not know this, but, but I, I'm an athlete. I, I compete in the sport of powerlifting. Uh, if you don't know what powerlifting is, it's a strength sport. And so um, there are three lifts that you, that you perform, squat, bench press, and deadlift. You get three attempts at each. They take your heaviest weight from each lift, add it together. That's your total, highest total in each weight class wins the weight class. That's, that's my sport. 
So, uh, and earlier this year, uh, I did a meet in, in January, and I won a medal. And so this is a bronze medal. This is my bronze medal that I won in January in, in powerlifting. Yeah, thank you. Do you want to know the secret to my victory? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the secret to, to my bronze medal victory, third place. I competed in a weight class that had five people. <laughs> and at the last minute, two of them dropped out. Hopefully next time it'll be a better showing. <laughs> so that, so like that's not the prize that you're competing for, right? Like they, like they called me up on stage and they put this thing around my neck and it's like, yeah, okay. But it, it wasn't super thrilling. You, you're not after the bronze medal by default. You're after the gold medal, right? And so if you're an athlete, you're after the prize. You're chasing a prize. Paul says the same is true for Christians. He says in verse 25, they do it for... Uh, to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. We do it for an eternal prize. Now, now Paul uses that, that language of, of athletics and, and chasing an athletic prize. He uses it numerous times in his writing. And when he uses that term of, of a prize or an eternal prize, or sometimes he uses the word crown, he's talking about, as a Christian, the prize of a fruitful, on-mission Christian life. A fruitful, on-mission Christian life. That's the prize that we're all chasing as Christians. So it's a fruitful Christian life that's, that's on mission. And so maybe during the focus series, if you went through and discerned your personal calling uh, and did the personal calling statement, that's part of your prize that you're pursuing as a Christian. It's the thing that God has placed you here to chase after. For Paul, it was being an apostle to the Gentiles. All of us Christians, like athletes, are chasing a prize. It's the prize of a fruitful, on-mission Christian life. So how do you chase a prize? How do you chase a prize? Well, verse 25 says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. All athletes are disciplined in their training. So any athlete... That's any, any serious athlete has, has a training regimen, a plan that's been laid out to maximize their performance on game day so that they can win the prize. And, and so they have their training and then they stick to that training and they're, they're disciplined in their training. So Paul is talking kind of about, about running here. So if you're a runner, you've got your plan of your, you know, your mileage that you're going to get in today and this week and this month, or if you're like a sprinter, you, you have your sprint times that you're trying to hit, or like, it, like for me in, in powerlifting, I'm competing in September, I can tell you today uh, what, what the plan is for maximizing my strength on that day in September. Um, it, athletes have a plan, they're disciplined in their training, and that's kind of our second big idea, that, which is if you're chasing a prize, you need a plan. If you're chasing a prize, you need a plan. You're not going to be successful if you just kind of, you know, go to the gym when you feel like it and you, you go to sleep, you stay up late playing video games and, you know, 
sleep late and you eat Fruit Loops every day. Everyone knows you're supposed to eat Wheaties if you want to be a champion. If you're chasing a prize, you need a plan. And then verse 26, he unpacks it even more. He says, I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. So he's got this purpose, this purpose of chasing the prize. And he says, I've built that purpose into every step of my life. That's, that's true of an athlete, right? An athlete will, will make different decisions. It, the, the little decisions and the big decisions change because, because they're chasing the prize. And so, you know, they'll, they'll rearrange their weekend plans to make sure that it doesn't mess with their training. They're... An athlete, if they're, if they're supposed to, you know, if, if, they, if they're in training, if it's Christmas Day, they'll probably still train. They'll stick to their diet while the rest of us are, you know, stuffing ourselves and passing out on the couch. Athletes will sometimes um, change jobs or change cities for their training. Like in the States, they have the Olympic training centers where the athletes will actually, like, uproot themselves, move to the Olympic training center to, to be focused on chasing the prize that that gold medal, because they want to run with, they want to build their purpose into every step of their lives. So, Christian, what's your plan for chasing the prize? What's your plan for chasing the prize? Day by day, week by week, are you running, like he says, running with purpose in every step? Are you running in such a way as to win the prize? Have you thought through how you'll order your life so that you can win the prize of a fruitful, on-mission Christian life? If you're chasing a prize, you need a plan. You need a way to make sure you're running with purpose in every step. And that's where our spiritual discipline for today comes in. And so our third big idea is a rule of life is a plan for chasing the eternal prize. A rule of life is a plan for chasing the eternal prize. So a rule of life, you, you may not have heard of this before, but it's a, it's a framework often written out that Christians use to order their spiritual lives. It's a, it's a way of building uh, key habits spiritual disciplines and other habits, we'll talk about that, into their lives so that they can structure their lives uh, in such a way that they're running with purpose in every step. So they can structure their lives so that they're able to, day by day, week by week, chase the prize. What's your plan for chasing the prize? This idea of a rule of life uh, first came out of um, the Benedictine tradition. St. Benedict and, and his uh, order of monks, they... They lived in a monastery. Their motto was work and pray. Um, and they, they had it laid out, how they would live their days and weeks and years. They, it, was, it was their rule of life that they followed. They would wake up at this time, go to bed at this time. They would eat at this time. They would fast at this time. They would talk at this time. They would be silent at this time. They would study scripture at this time. They had it all laid out because they had thought through how they would enable themselves to try and have a fruitful, on-mission Christian life. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a monk. I could never do that. But actually, Christians throughout the years, countless Christians, have taken this principle and have used it, and it's been helpful for them. Because my guess is um, that you have some sort of rough idea 
of what you're doing for your spiritual growth and well-being. You know how I know that? It's July long weekend and you're in church. Right? And so, and so you've probably thought, oh, I, one of the things that's good for me for, for my faith is to attend church, and maybe you have other things. You're trying to do devotions. Maybe you attend a care group. You probably have some kind of a rough plan. Um, and so the invitation here is to, is to make it a really deliberate plan because what happens when it's kind of a rough or loose plan is when things get stressful or busy or, or maybe you go on vacation or whatever, you kind of you, you fall off of your plan. It, it goes by the wayside and suddenly it's two or four or ten weeks later and you're like, what happened to my spiritual well-being? And so countless Christians have found that it helps to make it a really deliberate plan that you think through and that you implement. And so uh, what we're going to do is I have a rule of life and I'm going to just kind of present it to you as an example and then we'll talk through some principles a little bit, okay? Um, so... Mine is on page 16 of your workbook. It'll be on the screen as well. Um, and if you, if you Google rule of life, or if you go to, you can even go to ruleoflife.com, um, there are different templates, there are different structures for a rule of life. What we've used here in the workbook is just a list of habits arranged by frequency. And um, we found that to be pretty user-friendly. So these are some habits that I've built into my life um, to, to try and chase the prize, to try and run with purpose in every step. Um, I'll just walk you through it. It's on page 16. Um, so my daily habits. Uh, get up between 6 and 6.30. First thing is coffee, Bible, prayer. Write in my journal for just a couple minutes. And then I read my personal calling statement that, uh, that is from the Focus series. Uh, I have no social media before 9 a.m. or after 9 p.m. I track my food intake using an app. We'll talk about that. Uh, before bed, little... Entry in my journal again, pray with Justine, in bed by 10.15. That's the target at least. Uh, or I think it says 10.30. That, yeah, no, we changed it here. It's more realistic, 10.30. Uh, weekly, weekly habits. So I Sabbath all day Saturday, um, attend church on Sunday. Friday nights, our care group and date night alternating. Um, Fridays, review journal entries and reflect back on the week, see kind of what are the themes, what's God doing and stuff, and then lift weights four times a week. Um, monthly, Next, yeah, there you go. Monthly, I've got my giving in here. So tithes to the church are automated uh, using the pre-authorized debit. That comes out twice a month. Uh, every month I attend pastor's prayer time with, with the other pastors here in Langley. Uh, quarterly, I take a retreat day at Stillwood Camp for study, prayer, reflection, and planning. Pastors get to do that for free. It's awesome. Uh, if, you're, if you support Stillwood financially, thank you. I have made use of that. Uh, and then yearly, try to take a family trip every summer somewhere with a beach. Use vacation time, Christmas through New Year's for rest and family. Try to do a comprehensive review at the end of each year um, after Christmas. How did this year go? What do I want the coming year to look like? Um, and so that's that's kind of the time-bound habits. And then I have a section for technology. Um, be a ruthless unfollower on social media. If it's not helpful, it's gone. Um, I use a social media blocker on my laptop while I'm working. I use Covenant Eyes. 
um, accountability software on all my devices, so there's no temptation there. Really helpful. It's awesome. Uh, turn off most notifications on my phone so that it's not beeping and buzzing all the time. So that's my rule of life. Um, I'll make a couple of comments on it. First comment is, it's spiritual disciplines and, and more. It's spiritual dis disciplines and more. And so your rule of life, part of, part of it is including the kind of traditional spiritual disciplines, prayer and Bible study and stuff. And so I've got that in there. But it's also more. And so we had, we had diet in there. We had exercise. We had family. We had rest. Because you are a whole being. And if you're struggling uh, in, in an area like your physical or emotional or relational health, guess what? That affects your spiritual health. It's not, it's not separate. And so, and so I've built in key habits that are kind of spiritual disciplines, uh, classic spiritual disciplines, and I've built in other helpful habits as well. Secondly, it's not too hard and not too easy. You kind of, there, there's a, there are two temptations when you're thinking through your spiritual life. The one temptation is to do nothing and say, I could never do that, forget it, it's too hard, it's too restrictive, and then you don't do anything. And then there's the opposite temptation, which is to do everything. This is kind of the, the New Year's resolution syndrome, right? I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m., I'm going to pray seven hours a day, I'm going to fast twice a week, and you say, I'm going to do everything, it's going to be awesome, and you get this plan that looks really good on paper, and then how long do you last on that plan? And you say, this is pointless, I'm discouraged, and, and you, you wind up abandoning it. That's not helpful either. And so you want to so find a um, kind of a sweet spot in the middle where it's challenging. Like this plan for me takes a little bit of intentionality. You know, I have to set my alarm. I have to, you know, m to maybe turn off the TV when I want to just watch TV. It takes a little bit of energy and intentionality. So I'm, so I'm pushing myself a little bit, but it's not so hard that I'm getting discouraged and saying, forget it. If I was, if you were to ask me, you know, how, how well do you stick to this plan? I'd say 75, 80%. So, so and, and for me, that's kind of a sweet spot because that means there's room to grow. If it was like 50%, I'd probably want to take a look at that and either scale back or else pour more energy in. And then if, and one day I hope to get to, you know, 90, 95% where I'm following this rule of life, and then that's when I'll start to say, okay, is there something else that I want to integrate on top of this to continue to grow? So it's not too hard, not too easy. And then lastly, it's particular to me. Do not copy and paste my rule of life. I mean, if you do, you have to pay me royalties. But it's particular to me, and so it's particular to my circumstances. The reason why I'm waking up early is not because... Uh, not because I think getting up early is awesome. Uh, it's because I have little kids. And if I don't wake up before them, quiet time is not going to be quiet time. It's going to be chaos time. So, so it's particular to my circumstances. Your circumstances will be different. And then it's particular to my personality as well. So I've got things in there. Uh, I got, it mentions, mentions the beach, um, pastor's prayer time, still wood, lifting weights, those are all things that rejuvenate me be because of who I am. You'll have different things that rejuvenate you, that help you to flourish spiritually. So it's particular to me. So that's my rule of life. We're going to invite you to try it. So on, on page four where it says, try this, 
um, you can write this down. This summer, write out your rule of life using the workbook template and start practicing it. That's, that's your try this for today. We've uh, included instructions in your workbook. I'll walk you through them briefly now to, to try and, yeah, because we want to encourage you to, to try this out. So on page 15, you'll find um, instructions for creating a basic rule of life. So it's four steps. Step one is think what. Um, what habits help me thrive? Do we have slides for this? Yeah, awesome. So think what. What habits help me thrive? And like I said, that's spiritual disciplines and other habits. So on the spiritual disciplines side, we're going to be going through spiritual disciplines in this sermon series each spiritual discipline will have a try this item. Encourage you to write that down, and then it, it'll be a way that you can try out that spiritual discipline in sort of an easy, user-friendly way. Try some spiritual disciplines out. Some of them will stick for you. Some of them, maybe they don't resonate that much with you. That's okay, but take the ones that work for you and build them in. And then build in other helpful habits that aren't spiritual disciplines per se, but are helpful for you as you seek to be a fruitful, on-mission Christian. Again, I, I had in mind diet, exercise, uh, family, and rest. So that's think, think what, build a list of habits that help you thrive. Secondly, think when. When will these habits fit into my schedule? Is this going to be a daily or a weekly or a monthly or quarter, quarterly or yearly habit? When's it going to fit in? And then here's something really important. Put it in your calendar. I don't know about you, but if I don't put something in my calendar, it, go, it doesn't get done. So I encourage you to think that through and then schedule it. Build it in. Thirdly, think how. How can I arrange for these habits to succeed? This is where we just get really practical. Think through lo the logistics. Like I said, I got to wake up early so I can do quiet time before my kids are up. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. That's just a practical, logistical thing. You're going to have logistical things that you're going to have to think through. If you can't make the logistics work, like if you try, if you really try and it's not working, you might have to scale back your plan. That's okay. But think how you can make it work. It's better to have a, a good plan that you can stick to, that you can make work, than an awesome plan that you can't stick to. And then lastly, think tech. Think technology. How will I use and not use technology and media in order to help me thrive? So as a Christian in the 21st century, this is part of how you figure out your faith. If you don't manage technology, technology will manage you. So think it through. Um, I, I, I think you, you saw on mine um, the reference to Philippians 4.8. How will you focus on content that will be... Um, that will be helpful. Uh, Philippians 4.8 guides there. It's, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How are you going to implement that verse in, your, in, in what's on your screens? Think it through. How are you going to manage when you use technology and what's beeping and buzzing and, and you know, what's chirping at you? while you're trying to spend time with God or with key people in your life? How are you going to manage that? And so we've, we've included a whole section on that. So we want to encourage you to give this a try. This summer, as we pause, as, as we take a breather from kind of the hustle and bustle of life, 
Think it through. What's your rule of life? What's your plan for chasing the prize? Worship team, you guys can make your way up. Again, the big takeaway to try this is this summer, write out your rule of life using the workbook template and start practicing it. Um, There's a book called Crafting a Rule of Life by Stephen A. Machia. And, and the foreword is written by Mark Buchanan, and he gives this lovely picture of, of the importance of thinking this through, the importance of having a plan for chasing the prize. This is what Mark Buchanan says. He says, spiritual robustness doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen by wishing or trying. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Most of us stumble into the kingdom with nary a clue how to do this, so we thrash about make reckless attempts, arm ourselves with slogans, goad ourselves with guilt, fail and fail and fail, and finally settle for spiritual mediocrity. Our inner lives remain cramped and musty. We resort to mere conformity, to a masquerade of piety, to cover up for our lack of real Christ-likeness. Too close to home. Too real. Herein lies another option, to craft a rule of life which perfectly fits your unique temperament, bent background and passion, and which day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, makes God real to you in the inmost places. Like athletes, Christians are chasing a prize. We're chasing the prize of a fruitful, on-mission Christian life. Don't you want to get to the finish line and, and, and win the prize? Don't you want to get to the finish line and, and, and it's victory and it's, and it's not a bronze medal by default? It's, it's the gold medal. It's, it, 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 and, and, you know, metaphorically, everyone's cheering. Everyone's, man, you, you accomplished what God put you here to accomplish. You lived the life that God called you to. So church, it's, it's our prayer that together as we this summer look at our, at our habits as Christians that we'll begin to build in deliberate disciplines that will help us to chase the prize. It's our prayer that we'll run with purpose in every step. And so we're going to um, close in a moment with Refiner's Fire, which is, um, which is a song where we ask God to help us as we deliberately and chase the prize that he's called us to. We ask God to help us and to transform us as we're disciplined about running with purpose in every step. And so I just encourage you to make that your prayer today um, as we sing. Prayer team will be at either side here uh, if, if you want to pray about this or anything else. Why don't we stand and sing?